Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Hey everyone, it is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Hi, I'm Scott Goldbranson, your host, along with my co-host Mo Moten. He's a senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report and also the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. Follow him on X.com at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, the show, SNB Today. Also, one favor, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio and turn on that auto download for us. All right, Mo, let's jump in uh, as we talk about the Raiders. I wanted to start today, and it's, you know, so much of what we talk about is we start, and you do the same thing, where you write about something related to the Raiders, and they kind of cues the, the conversation. Uh, we talked about it last time, but I wanted to revisit the idea and talk about the Raiders in the red zone, because this is something that I'm seeing fans a lot still talk about, even after a win against the, the Patriots. And I did a piece up on sportsnot.com where I looked at it and assigned it, uh, not necessarily evenly across three reasons, but of course, one was the quarterback play, two was the inability to run the ball. That's all over the field, let alone in the red zone. And then also uh, the coaching, the fact that you can't really open up the playbook and you can't really uh, get to all your offense if you can't A, run, and B, your quarterback isn't being efficient. So you look at this issue with red zone scoring for this Raiders team. Again, for touchdowns, they rank 25th in the league in touchdowns in the red zone. Not good. Um, when you look at this and see what's going on with the offense, I know everybody wants to assign blame to Josh McDaniels for play calling, but I'm actually going to defend him a little bit. Now, I know there are Uh-oh. times when he does things that seem insane, but I'm going to defend him a little bit because of the other two reasons. When your quarterback isn't playing well and your running game isn't happening, how do you score? Well, Scott, a lot of people will say the running game is not playing well, partially because of Josh McDaniel's play calling. Yes. But uh, look, I get I get what you're trying to say. And I, I've said it 
since the offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo needs a run game in order for him to be at his best. He doesn't have an, uh, an efficient run game right now. So Ray's offense is not only one-dimensional, but he's also turning the ball over. And that's, you know, that's a lot on the player. You can't blame Jimmy, uh, Josh McDaniel, excuse me, for a lot of, you know, a lot of turnovers. It's Jimmy G, to me, not seeing the field or not seeing the defender who's lurking in the shadows of his wide receiver or his pass catcher. So a lot of it, the fault is on Jimmy. I had a Bleacher Report live today, and I said if Aiden O'Connell plays well, against the Chicago Bears, I would give him a legit shot to win the starting job based on the way Jimmy G is playing. His lack of production, his interceptions and turnovers, that's grounds for benching. I know what the Raiders are paying him right now, but if you're trying to win games, you got to go with the quarterback who's protecting the football. We'll see if Aiden O'Connell does that after his miscues in in the start against the Chargers. And I think that's the big thing. I know everybody wants to see the young guy play. They want to see Aiden O'Connell have a chance if Jimmy Garoppolo can't go, but you get to a different point there, right? Which is at the end, which is if you don't see improved, like how much when he's healthy, how much rope does Josh McDaniels give Jimmy Garoppolo? Because remember, the money dedicated to this quarterback. Remember, you blew off your other quarterback and he went to New Orleans uh because you wanted Jimmy Garoppolo, or seemingly you wanted to switch quarterbacks, and your plan was Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the question. How much leeway is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get? Because I don't know, and again, we talked about it last show. Josh McDaniels is going to get up in his press conference and say, yeah, Jimmy G's not playing well, we're going to switch out, uh, or talk about why he's not playing well openly. But clearly he has to know. He watches the film. If, if people like us can see it, he certainly can. At what point does it become Aiden O'Connell, I think, gives us, or at least we're going to try to see if he gives us a better chance. If Jimmy Garoppolo has another game where he throws multiple interceptions and it's clearly on him, because as you know, all interceptions are not equal, not all on the quarterback. But if he's clearly making mistakes where he's just not seeing the field and he costs the Raiders a game because of his turnovers – you got to sit him. I don't care how much money you're paying him. The bottom line, it's a bottom line business. You're trying to win football games, right? Diana Rossini had a report saying that Joshua Daniels' job could be in jeopardy if the Raiders don't start winning football games. So at the end of the day, you have to have the best quarterback out there who's going to protect the football and give you the best chance to win football games. And if it's not Jimmy G, regardless of how much you are paying him, start the kid, start the rookie. Yeah, and I, I was on the, the radio with the guys out in Sacramento, D'Lo and KC on ESPN Radio there, 1320, this week, and and they were asking about the quarterback situation. You know, would you start Hoyer or would you start Aiden O'Connell? And I said, well, I would start O'Connell. And same reason you gave last show, which is if he's getting all the snaps all week, okay, that's different than coming in a game cold like Brian Hoyer had to do the other day, which with the Wiley veteran, you say, okay, cool. He's got a little more experience. He's older. He's calmer. That makes more sense. And I told those guys too, look, starting Aiden O'Connell doesn't have a lot of risk, Mo, to me, because you start him and you see what he does. If he has a lot of trouble, if he's just stinking up the joint, which could happen, I don't know, then you always have Brian Hoyer sitting right there. It's not like he's not going to be there, okay? Especially if Jimmy Garoppolo's out. If Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy and Aiden O'Connell starts over him, then you got the issue with the backup quarterback, which I would imagine Garoppolo would be the backup because he's making a ton of money. But I think that this is why, to me, it's not a hard decision if and if they get to that point. 
it's not a hard decision to me for what you just pointed out. You moved up in the fourth round for Aiden O'Connell. He could have a future in the NFL. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We already know where Brian Horry is. A lot of people say, well, Brian Horry did well. Listen, Brian Horry came in and held the fort down. The Raiders were up 13 to 3 when he came in the game. The Raiders did not score a touchdown while Brian Horry was leading the huddle. The Raiders kicked two field goals and had a safety. That was, you know, what they had when Brian Horry came into the game. Eight points. So it's not like Brian Hoyer came in there and threw for 200 yards and threw for a couple of touchdowns. And I can say, okay, maybe there's a, you know, there's a case that Brian Hoyer maybe should start. Maybe he's more ready to win games right now. But it's not like Brian Brian Hoyer had a couple of nice throws. He did, but it's not like the Raiders' offense all of a sudden started clicking. Let's remember, Devontae Adams was frustrated after the game, and he talked about it on Wednesday. Basically, he says, and I'm paraphrasing for him. He holds himself to a high standard. He wants greatness. And for the Raiders offense to be, you know, score more than 20 points on a consistent basis, Devonta Adams is going to have to get the football. I don't know if you remember, Scott, but during that game against the Patriots, I believe it was Brian Hoyer and Devonta Adams had a conversation. I think, I don't know for sure, but I'm sure Devonta Adams is letting him know, like, look, if I have single coverage, give me a shot at the football. And that's that's all what it boils down to on offense. And, and Brian Hoyer probably won't be that guy going forward, but I'm sure Devontae Adams has also had that conversation with Aiden O'Connell. And I trust Aiden O'Connell to deliver the ball to Devontae Adams better than I do Brian Hoyer, simply because not only can Aiden O'Connell throw the short passes, he can stretch the field with his, with his strong arm. And I think that'll best utilize Devontae Adams for what he's there for. And I'm glad you brought up Devontae because – I think what he said Wednesday, he talked about he doesn't just want to win. He wants to be great. He wants greatness. And the read between the lines there for me, and again, I'm not putting words in his mouth, just just what I seem to think was that that's not just about him, right? That's not just he wants to be great. He wants to be on a great team. He wants to win a championship. Of course, he said that every player wants to win a championship. But I think him reiterating that I think he's really, really good and really smart about sending messages to his general manager. And it's like, and his coach, yes. But the idea there is, I want to be great. If you guys are going to dick around and have this guy who can't throw the ball anymore, uh, gets injured all the time, then what the hell am I doing here? Because, look, I've poo-pooed the idea of a trade because of the finances involved. But you know what? Stuff happens. And crazy things can happen. So I, I get it. And, and, and again, we talked about losing the locker room. And of course, we know that hasn't happened. But when Devontae Adams is talking a lot like this, he's not talking about the games. He's not talking about very much the opponent. He's talking about these kind of, what I want to say, nebulous subjects, or at least not nebulous, but, but focused subjects on things like greatness. And I want to do this. I want to do that in response to questions about not getting the ball more. And uh, I think you'd be a fool not to see through that. Yeah, if you're reading between the lines, I guess that's, you know, it's a viable takeaway from what he said on Wednesday. The, w- the way I look at it as he wants, in and, and order for the Raiders, I think Deshaun Reed phrases very well on his X account. In order for the Raiders offense to hit its peak, Devontae Adams has to be playing at a high level. If Devontae Adams is not touching the football, chances are the Raiders' offense is not scoring a lot of points. That's just what it boils down to. If you look at any top wide receiver in the league outside of Devontae Adams, you look at Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson when he was healthy. When those guys get the football, the offense is flourishing. You have to get the football to your best playmaker. And clearly, the Raiders' best perimeter playmaker, best playmaker period, is Devontae Adams. No reason why he should have 
two, three quiet games in a row. So I think that's part of what he's saying. I, I think he phrased it just right because he doesn't want to come off as being selfish. Like, I don't care about the right. wins. I just want the right. football. But he understands that for the Raiders offense to take it to the next level, he has to get the football. Yeah, he does. And not only that, we talked about the running earlier too. They got to be able to effectively run the ball. And uh, Nick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, at his press conference talked about the red zone issues and um, said that, hey, we got to do a better job. We got to execute in every way. And to me, I'm reading between the lines there too, which is execute. Now, again, the offensive line had some big penalties against the Patriots, right? Which backed them up. They were goal to goal situations. And then suddenly you're at a first and 20. Or, or a third and 10 or whatever it is, or third and goal from the 20. And so so there you're seeing too, I think, some of this, which is, okay, yeah, offensive line's got to execute, but the quarterback still is not uh, where it needs to be, and I think it's a big deal. By the way, before we cut out for a break, Mo, here in this first segment, I want everybody to know too, I looked into this. Uh, the league red zone is, I don't know if you've been watching other games, which I know you do for the league, I've I've not seen such bad bad red zone scoring. I mean, we talked about people were bringing up how bad the Raiders were, and oh, see, they ran off Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr's worse. He's actually two spots behind the Raiders with the Saints. So you look at that around the league. It's the lowest red zone percentage scoring a touchdown since 2011. So 12 years. Um, and I and we'll have to delve into this another time. I think part of it is I think once you get past the top 10 quarterbacks, there's a pretty big drop off. When you look at quarterbacks there, that's part of the issue. Although Patrick Mahomes is struggling in the red zone for the Chiefs. They're scoring points, but they're just doing it on the longer field. So it's interesting. There is something else going on here. I mean, obviously we know some of the issues with the Raiders, but red zone across the league is facing trouble too. I talked about this last show. I think because we're entering a new era of quarterbacks, and this is not to diss the young guys, but as I said, the years of Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys in their late 30s, early 40s, that era is now over. So now you get in a new crop of young quarterbacks coming up. They have to, they have to develop. Take some time. Take some time. We're seeing guys like Jalen Hurts regress. Justin Herbert had trouble on Monday Night Football, right against the Cowboys. They're still young quarterbacks who are not as polished as guys like Brees, Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning. You know, that those guys, that the guys are now retired. So I think we're entering an era where the quarterback hierarchy, the quarterback tiers, it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes. And I know you say he is also struggling in the red zone, but the Chiefs have limited weapons there, other than Travis Kelsey, like right. who is their secondary option. But if you look at these young quarterbacks and you look at the top 10 and people's top 10 rankings, like Jared Goff is in the top 10 of a lot of people's rankings now. Jared Goff was looked at as a top 20 quarterback not too long ago. So that tells you where the quarterbacking rankings and quality is right now. And I think, as I said, maybe two, three years down the line, it gets better. But we're in a, we're kind of in a transition period when it comes to the quarterbacks in the league. I think so. And I uh, I have a piece that's out today on Sports Not about Raiders draft prospects at quarterback. I've got five in there. And this class coming out is good. And you go past even the first round now. They're not, they're not all guarantees, but there's some good kids. I think that next crop of really good quarterbacks with a lot of raw talent, and if they are coached correctly, get in the right situation, we might be on the cusp of starting another era of quarterbacks that are going to kind of take over the league again. So it's a, it's a good discussion. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, 
Uh, we are going to talk Chicago Bears football. Of course, the Raiders coming up playing the Bears in Chicago on Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Dan Bernstein uh, from 670, the score in Chicago is going to be our guest. He's going to talk about the Bears and whew, you guys in Raider Nation think you've had it bad. The Bears have had it bad this year, especially. So we'll get into that with them and with him and talk to him also about what it might take for the Raiders to win this game. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas, if you're listening to us on the radio. Hello. Thanks for being with us. Momo and Scott Branson back with you. And this segment, we get to focus in on the Raiders opponent this week. And that, of course, is the Chicago Bears. And uh, to do that, we're bringing in Dan Bernstein from 670, the score in the place of my birth, Chicago, Illinois. Yes, Dan, ah. I'm a native. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago, or suburban Chicago claiming to be Chicago? Actually, uh, <laughs> suburban. I was born in the suburbs. My parents are both from the city. My dad grew okay. up in Austin a long time ago, a uh, different neighborhood back then. Uh, but mm-hmm. he grew up in Austin. And then my mom in the city, too. But then she moved out to Norwood Park, and I was born in Park Ridge, so northwest suburbs. All right. Yeah, no, Norwood Park's a city. Yeah, that, that's good. Some people are say, you know, they're from, you know, like Bartlett or Antioch <laughs> or something and claim Chicago. So, you know, just, just holding you to it. That's all. Yes. I mean, I'm old enough to remember uh, when, when you said to somebody, hey, I'm going to McHenry. You're like, when you're country? Now it's like the suburb. It's It's crazy. To think about that, how much the city has grown over the years. Uh, But we certainly appreciate you joining us to talk about the Bears. Well, where to start? I mean, you look at what's been happening there this year. And when you're in week seven and people are talking about the draft already, you kind of know where you're at. But give us kind of a sense for the state of the Bears, not only on the field, which we know about, of course, the Justin Fields injury and what's happening there, but also off the field with the organization, the front office. What's going on in Chicago these days? It's a mess. We're we're here again. We're here in the place that that we live. It's 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 like Shrek's swamp. It's 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 gross and. Dis- 
because we know it all too well. The Bears are being the weird team again. And despite having cleared the decks with a new general manager and a new plan and all that cap space and the top overall pick, now everything is uncertain. And in large part, it's because of their new team president, Kevin Warren, and his new status as the first non-McCaskey family member who is nominally in charge of the team. So we don't know. No one really knows, and he's keeping his powder dry right now publicly. There's all sorts of presumptions. They say the Bears have, and they haven't, ever fired a coach in season. But those precedents don't mean anything now. It's our comfortable state of uncertainty and distrust and figuring out who's brought in whose guy and who was picked by whom. And it sucks, but it's sort of it's comfortable to us. So, Dan, I just I like to get the temperature of the fan base every time I talk to a reporter and for another team. And just in the offseason, I was high on Justin Fields. I felt like he was going to take a big step this year. Has the fan base turned on Justin Fields yet, or is it still the blame is on Matt Everfuss and his coaching staff? Where, where are the fans on this one? Well, I mean, everybody, these coaches are idiots, and that's just kind of baked <laughs> into everything. But it, I, I, it's hard. I, I do think, for the most part, people really like Justin Fields and root for him. But he regressed this year. Everything we were told about the offseason, about he was going to learn to be more anticipatory with his throws, not rely as much on his feet, understand how to read coverages, how to find the hot guy. It's not there. And he's the guy can be at, at one point last year. I said every snap to Justin Fields felt like a Devin Hester punt return or kickoff return. It was that exciting. It was that spectacular. But you got to play quarterback in this league. And I think it's all I, I don't think it's a zero sum game about who's at fault for this failure. I think it is his own inability to grasp some things and just the latest iteration of an incompetent coaching staff. So I, I think people are disappointed. I think that's it's really what it is. I think we I think we're disappointed that we trusted another group of people to give us something we've never really experienced before, which is an actual star NFL quarterback. So it's too bad. And 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 now now we're in the all to Chicago dynamic of the backup who is exciting everybody because he's the backup and he's the, you know, the hard scrabble young, great story from schmuck state who <laughs> is you know, undrafted. And, you know, in, in this city, the, the first chance you have for a great white hope, he just, he checks every box for every meatball to come out there and, and, and be <laughs> just screaming for him to succeed because he represents the everyman. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And, and like I said, before we went on the air, I was born in Chicago. So we, I know this cause my family goes through I, my family. That's still there. Uh, the backup quarterback is always a Chicago bears favorite player. It seems like it always <laughs> seems that way from the time I was growing up. Uh, when you look at the offense though, you talk about Justin Fields, obviously there in regressing, the Bears running game seemed to be getting into better shape. 
Rashawn Johnson, Khalil Herbert, obviously he's on the IR. Johnson seems like he's getting ready to come back. Is he going to make it back this week? Don't uh, know. And what a boost. No, he's not going to make it don't back. Don't know. He, he don't know. He remains in concussion protocol, so that's uncertain. I'm not exactly sure how long they give him officially before they have to rule on that. And it's they, they brought back Darrington Evans, who's mm-hmm. a, a, a tiny little scat back who was on a practice squad elsewhere, who was on the team last year. Deontay Foreman, I thought was better, and he's he can run a little bit, cannot block, cannot block, and that that's a huge problem with with a rookie quarterback back there. He just he got and the miscommunications on the offensive line are causing problems and making bad blockers have to do things that they wouldn't otherwise have to do. Obviously, with this quarterback, you'd love to establish the run, and you'd love to tell a confused offensive line zone outside zone inside push guys backward but i don't know that they have the talent to do that so this is this is a tall order for a lot of things stacking up against the bears bottom line after 2 weeks of outstanding offensive performance and actually finding dj moore they have yet to find anything that they can consistently do well that they can go to and say look we need we need 4 yards we can, we know this play is going to get us 4 yards they don't have that so then, now the Raiders fans talking about their offensive line, and we're critical of the offensive line play in, in Vegas. What about in Chicago? Because I know you added Dar- Darnell Wright, uh, Nate Davis is there all as well. Tevin Jenkins, you know, battled injuries, trying to work his way back in. What is the state of that offensive line right now? Where are they in, in their development and progression? It's in trouble. Nate Davis sustained a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out multiple weeks. They plugged uh, Jatari Carter in there, who's. You know, he's a replacement level guard. Tevin Jenkins is big and powerful, but also hasn't necessarily been assignment sound. He's been late to blocks that has caused the propagating issues that you see when someone comes over to help someone else. Braxton Jones eligible to come back at left tackle. Maybe he will. Larry Borum has been functional at best. The problem's at center. And mm. Cody Whitehair, who is a, a, a vet and a pro bowler formerly, and their plan was to move him from guard back to center this year. He, he was benched in the last game. And Matt Eberflus lied about why he benched him. He, there were six bad shotgun snaps and four in a row at one point. Low, high, inside, outside. It was everything Fields could do to just receive the snap. By that point, his eyes are down here. His eyes are up here. The play has started, and now he can't read anything because everything's already out of whack. I don't even know if white hair is going to start the game. So that the huge question is what they're doing in the interior of the offensive line. Their communication has been bad and a veteran they relied on is, is we, we, we honestly were asking, did he suffer an undiagnosed concussion? We're watch, rewatching that game that he looked like there were actual cognitive issues going on out there. Wow. Uh, again, we're talking to Dan, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Dan Bernstein, from the ticket in Chicago show nine noon there score, every Monday through Friday. Was that score. the score? Excuse me. Score. I'm sorry. How dare I? How dare I? Sorry. Um, so this defense, talk about it. We were talking in the previous segment, uh, Dan, about the fact that the defense, especially against the run, of course, the Raiders need to establish one. They have not been able to do it with Josh Jacobs, the former rushing championship from or champion from last year. Uh, how what's going on up front with the Bears? Why are they doing so well? And uh, what does that look like Sunday against the Raiders? Well, I think what happened, uh, first of all, the, the, the Vikings suck. 
They have <laughs> they have nothing. And, and the, the Bears defense was good, but they the Vikings have nothing. They have nothing. And we were talking to Jaquan Brisker, and oh. in, in 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 a very diplomatic way, he pretty much said the Vikings had nothing and they knew what was coming out of the formations. And without Justin Jefferson, they there weren't a lot of worries up there. So they could stay in their cover two shell. Having the starters back, having Kyler Gordon back, and having uh, Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson back certainly helps things. Linebackers are solid. The front four is not good. The front four is trouble. And that's been the problem with the defense, where ideally in a base Tampa 2, as you guys know well, Mm -hmm. that three technique, the under tackle who lines up in the outside shoulder of the weak side guard, that's your guy. That's the most talented player on the defense. Bears don't have that. So all of these talented linebackers, they spend all this money on Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. They're good, but they're basically the cleanup crew for that front four. And the, and the, the point of the spear that's supposed to be the three technique without that, I'm worried that they can be, they can be gashed if they're, if they're in their base too deep safety shell designed to induce long drives and create opportunities for turnovers. The turnovers haven't been there either. So from your perspective, how has the defense changed between Alan, Alan Williams being there and after he resigned? Like, if, if any, how, do you notice anything? For, first of all, he didn't resign. That was that was Alan, pack your stuff and say you resigned and get the hell out of here and be careful what you put on your computer. But the it hasn't changed at all. I, I don't even know what Alan Robinson did. I really don't. And the fact that it took them five weeks to replace him. And when they did, they didn't even really that they found some guy who's going to work from home in his underpants. They hired this guy, (laughs) Phil Snow, who's going to look. So he's coaching by Zoom. Apparently, yes, he's just he's looking. He isn't even he's just looking over scouting reports. He's going to do some advanced scouting and send it to Eberflus. So we finally know what Eberflus actually does during a game, which is called the defensive plays. But this stuff is so. It's anybody who was here during the Lovey Smith era and or Rod Marinelli. And you know Rod because, right, he, he was in Vegas. Oh, and his daughter has that incredible restaurant in yes. um, out in, the, in the suburbs. Summer. Uh, La Strega. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best Italian restaurants I've ever been to, by the way. And yes. I've been to Rome and Florence and Venice and all through Italy. Her stuff is fantastic. But anyway, you know the Tampa 2 defense. It's the same stuff. It's the it, it is it's the same. Everything funnels to that weak side backer. Ideally, your, your middle linebacker is able to drop into zone coverage, and they just don't have the horses. They, they don't have the horses to make it work. They're not they're not getting turnovers. The answer is I don't think it's changed at all, and I wouldn't even know how to tell the difference between <laughs> Alan Williams or an AI who's calling the plays. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Dan Bernstein from six seventy. The score in Chicago is our guest. What about Yannick Ngakwe? How's he doing? Former Raider? Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got one trick. Yeah. And you, you paid him a lot of money for his one trick. And we got to see the trick more. <laughs> I mean, you do one thing. You do one thing. Like, one get the quarterback on the ground. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. your only job. And he's, he's fine, I guess. But he's on another team every year. What, he, <laughs> what I guess he is, he reminds me of a of a high leverage baseball relief pitcher uh, who every year you never remember what team he's on. And some years he's pretty good and he does something good. Like, Oh yeah, that guy's pretty good. And you don't remember the times when he's bad. 
Yes. So the so Raider fans had their eyes on two Chicago Bears specifically. Jalen Johnson, the quarterback, and of course Rays need a quarterback. So they're asking, you know, could Justin Fields be traded at some point? If you look into your crystal ball, are Justin Fields and or Jalen Johnson back in Chicago next year? Because I know there was a contract situation with Jalen Johnson where he denied that he was out of training camp because of the contract. It was something mm-hmm. else. So there's a lot of talk about that. What is the future for those two young players? Well, I hope for uh, the Justin Fields thing is probably over just because of this draft class and mm-hmm. where it, and it's too bad. And it's like I say, it's it just it's it's how where we live as as Chicago Bears fans and observers. I would be really disappointed if Jalen Johnson were traded and I wouldn't be surprised because this is one of those NFL situations that always bugs me of not my guy of, well, it's not, I didn't, I didn't draft this guy. The previous regime drafted this guy. And at some point you get so cute with your guys, your vision and this resetting of the contract clock. And do we pay him or do we let somebody else pay him? How replaceable is he? The bears have been through this with Kyle Fuller. I, I think at some point you try to get too cute and then you look up and you're like, oh, we forgot to sign good players. <laughs> and, and, and Jalen Johnson is so much better than his numbers show. Mm-hmm. And you can look at and I and I know you can look at next gen stats and pro football focus. And I, I love all that stuff. I do. But I also think that when you watch every snap and you watch every game multiple times, they don't throw at him. He takes away a side of the field. And he doesn't get a lot of these athletic interceptions. He knocks away a lot of passes. He is, he's a really good player. He's a very mature, cool guy. And I'll be very disappointed if somehow the bears outsmart themselves into trading him or losing him. Cause I think he's a piece you build with and around. Yeah. Fascinating to see what's going to happen. Uh, not only the rest of the season, and I know we're early in the season, but then of course, when you move into the off season, uh, and Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. in Chicago Bear uniforms. Is that what you're thinking, too? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about Caleb Williams because I think he might be like four feet tall. He looks <laughs> tiny to me. I want him measure. Seriously, like I want I want an actual like laser actual measurement of that dude because I see what's going on with Bryce Young and, yeah. and what it what it has to say. He, he is a special talent. Make no mistake. But I I. And hearing people who I trust and respect say that this is the cleanest quarterback prospect mm-hmm. since Andrew Luck. And they're talking about like, you know, back with Carson Palmer and John Elway and some of these. I watch I, I'm a Heisman voter, so oh, I, okay. I watch a lot of the big games and I voted for him last year and watch that Notre Dame game. Those are some NFL dudes up against him. Yes. And he got sped up. That he, he for the first time I saw his his clock his targeting system get a little jumpy and a little sped up. So I'm not saying he's not great, and I'm not saying he's not the number one pick. But I'm I want to watch some other guys before I, I I agree that he is this clean a prospect. Interesting take. Well, we certainly appreciate it, Dan Bernstein from 670 The Score in Chicago. Thanks for being with us, spending so much time. We appreciate you talking Chicago Bears. No, my pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. All right, Dan, take care now. Take care. All right, there you go. You're inside the Chicago Bears there. Get a little uh, a little insight, Mo. And and uh, it's funny, the comments he said there at the end about about Williams, I think that's starting to, starting to come out, right? I mean, it's early in the season, but when, when you talk about NFL, NFL evaluators, and plus the fact that he's been hyped up so much, 
Uh, it's interesting. And, you know, there you go. Uh, with Dan being a Heisman voter, he would know he's watching all the big games. Now, see, Dan didn't call him a bum, but if you went on X, <laughs> you would think he's going to be the biggest bust of all time after a bad game against Notre Dame. We'll see how he bounces back and how if USC, you know, gets to the playoffs and how he plays against top tier competition, because, you know, that's going to be a thing. It's going to be part of his evaluation, assuming he does come out. How does he play against some guys, as Dan said, NFL dudes, because that's all he's going to be playing against once he gets to the pros. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and by the way, again, I know Raider fans have been through years of misery, but nothing, nothing compares to to what Bears and Lions fans have gone through. Bears fans, because they had that one little period in the 80s when they won the Super Bowl and that was it. Otherwise, it's been a lot of misery. So, uh, and you can see, I mean, sports radio in Chicago, and you heard it from Dan. I mean, it's it's brutal. So, like, if you're not winning, you... Pfft, it's not a press conference like you see in Las Vegas. It's it's bad. So anyway, good times. All right, we're going to step aside, take a break. When we come back, we close out the show with our final segment. We're going to talk about the Raiders versus Bears. Moe's going to give his prediction. I will give mine. We'll talk a little bit about the starting quarterback situation as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard here on The Bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders, Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. And a special thanks again to Dan Bernstein for joining us and giving us some background on a strange and difficult year for the Chicago Bears. And Raider fans, Mo, I keep telling Raider fans, tank for Caleb, tank for Caleb Williams. All up. He's not going to get past Chicago if he stays up there at the top of the draft. Because um, <laughs> I see, as, as we talked about Dan, I see... Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. going to the Bears, one, two, since they have the first two picks. You mean to tell me Notre Dame didn't take Caleb Williams' uh, draft stock? You mean he's not a bum, <laughs> a as people bit. have been saying, after, <laughs> after maybe, one performance? Just, just maybe Drake May overtakes him. Who knows? You don't know. I mean, we got a little bit of the season left here in college, right? About about five weeks left. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But interesting uh, to hear that, the Bears. So you think about tanking. Just listen to the misery in Chicago right now. And you'll, you'll think about why you don't want to tank. All right, we look at this. Um, we're still waiting. We won't know, I don't think, until game time, unless they rule him out by Friday when we get the final, uh, the final report from, from the medical staff at the Raiders. But we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go. So far, it doesn't look good. Um, I would not bet on him playing, Mo, which, again, brings up to what we talked about last show, which is starting Aiden O'Connell. Um, Garoppolo, I think it's the perfect opportunity. Even if Garoppolo technically could go if he's banged up, this is an opportunity. I mean, yes, you want to win. You're on a two-game win streak, and about stringing wins together in the NFL is tough. So if you can string three together, that's your goal. But man, it just seems like a golden opportunity to start the rookie in Chicago on the road, get him some you know really good experience, no matter what Garoppolo condition is, because he's not going to be 100%. No, chances are he's not going to be 100. percent Ian Rappaport said that there's a chance that Garoppolo is going to miss one, maybe two games. So, I mean, why not just throw out Aiden O'Connell, see what he can do against another bad pass defense? The Chargers are giving up the most passing yards per game right now. Now, that was Aiden O'Connell's first start. As I said at the beginning of the show, let's see if he learned from his mistakes. Let's see if there's some progression there because there could be something there. I mean, I know I, I feel like the Raiders should draft the quarterback regardless. But who knows? What if Aiden O'Connell goes out there and lights it up, throws the 300 yards and three touchdowns, and you're like, oh, 
maybe we got <laughs> something, you know? So yeah. it could change your draft plans, especially if the Raiders start to sink in the draft order. If they fall out of, let's say, the top 15, let's say the Raiders end up drafting, I don't know, 18, right? And they miss out on a lot of the top cornerbacks, but Aiden O'Connell looks like he has a lot of potential. Now you have a decision to make. Do you draft the quarterback at the end of the first round? Do you wait to the second round? Do you draft one in the third round to compete with Aiden O'Connell? There's so many things that could happen. There's so much season left, but you have to find out what's in the box. What's behind door number two? We know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. We know what Brian Hoyer is. So what's behind actually door number three, Aiden O'Connell? And I'm excited to see what he can do in his second start, if, assuming he does start. Yes, and and I you bring up that, and you brought it up last show too, Mo, which is that you don't necessarily – you don't have to have a quarterback in the top 10. And in, in my piece today, I talked about that. And I only had one player in the top 10 that the Raiders, Raiders would target. And it wasn't Williams because he'll be gone. He's just going to be gone. <laughs> and so you look at that. There's only two quarterbacks in the top 10, at least for right now. Now, some of these guys, we see people like Penix and all that moving up. Uh, Shador Sanders, if he decides to come out could be in play, but more than likely, they're going to be 11 to 20, somewhere around there. Uh, there'll be a bunch of them there too. So you don't need to be in the top 10. And so for those of you looking at the Raiders right now, sitting at 14 and saying, oh, we're going to get a quarterback. There's going to be some quarterbacks available there. So it'll be interesting. But I think O'Connell, to your point, going on the road, playing the Bears in the condition that they're in offers a great opportunity to him, I think. Uh, and and like you said, he can go out there. And if he starts winning games, especially this is the stretch to do it, right? You're not facing these big, great defenses. Now, when you go to Detroit, you might. That'd be a tough game. But even then, so what? So so what if you're able to win two more games right now and you lose that one in the middle with with Detroit? Big deal. Imagine the experience the kid gets there. And oh, by the way, playing him against a great defense like that, that, because the Lions are playing great right now, gives you the opportunity to see exactly where he's at. Right. So not only does he get a shot to start against a bad defense to get his confidence to build some momentum, then he gets a, a top-tier team who's 5-1 and playing well on both sides of the ball. And you can see how he does against top-tier competition. So you won't get people saying, well, he beat up on a bad Bears team. Okay, so let's see what he does against the Lions. And if he does it against the Lions, then you know you might have something in him. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so we look at the keys to victory. Uh, I don't think they change much from game to game. <laughs> and the Bears, you know, are, are, are not exactly a defensive force. They have some, some talent here and there. But if you look at this game, um, I think most people are actually picking the Raiders because of the quarterback situation for the Bears, as we talked about with Dan and the fact that Justin Fields is out. Um, do you think this game, I mean, do you think that the Raiders, it's always tough to win on the road. Do you think that the Raiders have an opportunity to kind of steamroll a little bit, start to get things going here, depending on what they do on offense at the quarterback position? I would hope so, but the way the offense has been playing, I, I, I wouldn't say it's a cakewalk. I wouldn't say it's a gimme game. I wouldn't even say it's a game that the Raiders should win because both teams are starting rookie quarterbacks. Now, the Raiders have better playmakers, Josh Jacobs, Devonta Adams, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer showing up last week and, and contributing 75 yards receiving. So the Raiders have the better skill players. So they should win the game. They have the better roster overall, and their defense is playing pretty well, as we talked about the past couple of weeks. So it should be a Raider win. Now, remember what Devontae Adams said. It's not just about winning. They have to be able to look pretty good while winning. And I think part of what he's also saying is, yeah, we're winning, but we're not looking good while we're doing it. Not yes. that that is a beauty pageant or about style points, because he always he's already said that it's not a beauty pageant. It's not about style points. It's about Ws. 
but he knows that with with the Detroit Lions coming up, with the Miami Dolphins coming up, with the Chiefs coming up twice, the Raiders are going to have to up their level of play. And why not start with the Chicago Bears who are on the who are on a downtrod right now? Right, and it's 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 a precarious position to be in when you have to win on the last play or the last series of every game. Right, I think that's look. It happens in some seasons. It seems to happen more than others. But in this situation, uh, and I'm sure Devontae Adams is looking at the schedule and saying, okay, we're playing some pretty pretty bad teams right now. We should, with the talent we have on offense, uh, you know, we should go in and, and beat this Bears team by 10, 14 points, right? I mean, you should be able to do that, uh, especially with a quarterback, a Division II quarterback, basically playing for you as a starter in the NFL. So so to me, I get that. And I think that's 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 on the minds of those veterans who know, and to his point about beating teams and not just kind of eking by. Um all right, so give me give me your shot here. Give me your prediction for this one and what you're thinking uh, from a score perspective. Do the Raiders finally against this Bears team? Who Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, by the way, for the Bears, I like a lot, and I, apparently he's on the trading block. Just saying. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I think they're going to have the ability to run the ball if they can get the offensive line to do what they've been able to do in the past, and. Um, um, I, th- I think it'll be a close game, actually, but I do think that the Raiders can pull away and win by a couple scores, 10 points or so. What do you think? I think it'll be close for most of the game simply because you got, again, two rookie quarterbacks. So there's going to be – I wrote this in my Bleach Report betting column that the offense that makes fewer mistakes is going to give their team the upper hand. And I feel like I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I think the Raiders finally eclipse 20 points with their offense, not with a safety. With their offense, <laughs> and I have the score as 23-17, Raiders winning. I think it's going to be, again, close for a good portion of the game because the rookies are going to you know, fill themselves out a little bit yeah. against the other team. And the Bears, don't get me wrong, the Bears' run defense is actually, I believe, eighth in the league. So they're not, not giving up a lot of – yep. they're not giving up a lot on the ground. I think it's going to be a big Devontae Adams game. Between his comments, two quiet games, I think he's going to have like 150 yards and two scores, and that will put the Raiders over the top. 23-17, some fans will still complain that it's not sexy enough for them of a score, that they should be scoring 35 against the Bears. But I think it's a step in the right direction before a Monday Night Football game with the Lions. Yeah, I, I think I think Michael Mayer is going to figure big. He's going to be able to smell South Bend from Chicago because it's so close. And uh, it's a little chilly. It's starting to get to that fall weather out here, too. So I think that I think that I agree with you. I think it's going to be seven. could be 10 points if they do really well. But that run game will be interesting because I, you know, just like it impacts Garoppolo's play, he's limited if he can't get that run going. I think with a young quarterback, it takes off a lot of pressure, right? And so if if they can if if Aiden O'Connell does indeed start, which it looks like he will, then give him that opportunity, fight for that, so that he can f- get freed up a little bit. And then I, that's why I said Mayor. I think will have a big game because if if they're smart, and I think they are with this, <laughs> they'll build in those plays so he can dump that ball off to the tight end, do some nice short passes. The quick what they did at the beginning of the game last last week um, with Garoppolo at the helm is just get those passes, give him a two step drop. Get the pass out to the tight end on a quick slant uh, or a quick little out, something like that, and and get them the ball. If they can do that, I think you're right. I think they'll be successful going down the field. I also want to see one or at least two deep shots, a few deep shots downfield to Trey oh, Tucker. Will. I want to see it. Aiden O'Connor, Trey Tucker, that should be electric if they can connect for like a 50-yarder. I want to see a couple of those on Sunday. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to close it out. Mo and I both have the Raiders winning by between four, seven, eight, ten, something <laughs> in there, right? Um, anyway, make sure you catch Mo on his Bleacher Report live after the game. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and get that link because he always puts it out. Also, we have our mailbag show tomorrow on Friday. So make sure you do that. we got some great voicemails you guys will want to hear. And we'll be back, of course, after the game on Sunday as well. Mo, my man, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you early next week. 2317, take it to the bank, book it. There you go. Money Mo. Not Midtown today. He's Money Mo today. <laughs> All right. For our producer, Mike Robier, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black. Today, we'll see you guys tomorrow for our mailbag show.